Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. And so I am so, uh, well, we're saddened because uh, Tom's under the weather. Yes. Yeah, he, he's actually literally under the weather. Yeah, he's hiding from a tornado. Yeah, he's <laughs> good for him. Stay safe, Tom. Uh, yeah, uh, he doesn't feel good. So uh, he could not join us today, uh, but that's okay. Uh, and you know what? In 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 some way... He's participating because he's carrying a cross. That's true. That's right. So that said, I will dedicate this entire show to Tom. Oh yes. We're gonna have let's now have a ten minute moment of silence. On the, <laughs> no, we won't do that. So uh, today uh, we're 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 continuing our deep dive into the sorrowful mysteries of the Most Holy Rosary of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and mm. so we. We are just oper- uh, offering an opportunity for folks who might typically pray the rosary, but some who might not typically pray the rosary, right? an opportunity to, to look at each one of the mysteries that we're supposed to be meditating on uh, when we do the rosary. I, I know that I've struggled in the past, Sam, I don't know about you, when you have prayed the rosary, whether sometimes you kind of... Now, what was that mystery again? Sure. Yeah, and, and, and it's not that that's a terrible thing, because it happens that we're human, yeah. And, our, and our minds wander, but but these shows are giving us an opportunity, like maybe just to put some more uh, material sort of into our brains, into our hearts, into our guts, so that when we do the rosary, the Holy Spirit kind of bubbles that stuff up to the top. You don't yeah. have to you don't have to take like uh, five or six pages of notes, you know, and and put them in front of you while you're while you're doing the rosary. Right. Let's see what it says here, you right. know. And it's just when we know these things and we feel these things, we understand these things, and then when we then later when we meditate upon them, contemplate on them, then it there's more meaning and relate to them. You know, yes, and, yeah, connect to to them in a in a way that is uh, relevant to our everyday lives as well. Yes, exactly right. And so uh, today we're going to be talking about the fourth sorrowful mystery, and that is Jesus carrying his cross. Yes, uh, and we've we've heard this so many different ways and so many different times. We kind of. I think most of us generally understand what's meant by carrying a cross. Sure. Uh, you know, I, but I think today we're going to kind of, again, we try to turn things upside down a little bit right. about that. And and I think that it's important. We talk about um, carrying the cross in relationship to something. Now, I, and I know we know what that term carrying the cross means, as I said before, and I think all of us understand the concept of suffering some of us suffer way more than others and, and some of us really understand that concept but i think it's good for all of us maybe to stop and look at carrying the cross in, in, in a perspective that like really is in relationship to the crucifixion so the reason why is because here's the thing about crucifixion i know we're going to talk about that that's the the fifth sorrowful mystery that's the next show that we're going to do and we're going to focus on that then, but but right now, I, I think if we're going to look at carrying the cross, we've got to look at crucifixion first, just for a moment, to, to, to realize something. You know, the, the, the Romans were extremely, extremely good at crucifixion. They had perfected this horrendous form of punishment, of capital punishment, right? Um, and it was, it was terrible to die in this way. 
uh, I think many people would have preferred to have something a lot quicker, you know, because this was not something um, that was going to be just a normal kind of passing. This was horrendous what took place during crucifixion. And you see, it wasn't enough that you like You have to like lay, get your arms outstretched and they nail you to a cross. When they hang you on that cross, you don't die from the nails, right? You don't, you die from asphyxiation, not being able to breathe, not being able to push yourself up with your feet, with your legs in order to breathe. And so you actually end up dying of asphyxiation, uh, which is like, uh, what a horrible way to die over a period of several hours, perhaps. Uh, and it wasn't even enough that that would happen. You you also had to be scourged. Uh, you were prepared for this in a horrific way. Now, I don't know if every single person that went through crucifixion had to do this, but our Lord certainly did. We see that in the Passion and what he had to go through, this scourging at the pillar. I mean, I know that I wouldn't have survived that. I would have. It would have been death by scourging. It would not have been uh, death by crucifixion for me. Right. Um, And then, see, on top of that, it wasn't enough that you had to be uh, painfully uh, scourged before the crucifixion part. You actually had to carry your cross. You had to carry the cross up this steep hill, Golgotha, the place of the skull. You had to you had to do that. It's like you're carrying the your own item of of your own destruction. You're carrying that up there. It's like if you were in a firing squad, you know, you'd have to make the bullets, you'd have to clean the guns, you know, and you'd have to do all these things. So you it's very humiliating. It's extremely humiliating. It's a public you're you're stripped naked, you're crucified in this way. So carrying the cross is not just this uh, like suffering a little bit. It's it's really preparing yourself for the ultimate in suffering and humiliation, um, and that's the context with which we're we're speaking of carrying the cross as we're meditating upon this particular sorrowful mystery. And that's something that's uh, you, if you keep that in perspective, you're going to start to better understand. Now, every time we do these, we we like to have a fruit, something that we're praying about, something that we're thinking about. Something that we can that we can carry into meditation, and let's talk about the uh, the unusual fruit that we have today. Well, so, pursuing virtue and discipline, uh, and that's a that's a loaded thing. But yes. you know, there's a lot to unpack and to discuss. But I think in carrying the cross, uh, as we meditate upon Christ carrying the cross for us and our call to carry the cross for Him, uh, there's a lot of ways that we can draw upon that to grow in our call. Uh, to holiness, which is a call to grow concretely in virtue and discipline in our everyday lives. Yeah, see, that's an interesting fruit to me because I, I think for the most part, people see carrying, you know, carrying the cross. Oh, well, that's really about redemptive suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the sorry things, sorrowful things that we that we encounter in life, uh, and that we have to we have just have to trudge through those. We have sure. to as part of what it is to be a, a Christian is to carry a cross because uh, we want to be Christ like and and. and so it really means doing hard things. I mean, right? That's what that's what I have thought in the past. Well, but but we know, like, like for example, like uh, Sir Edmund Hillary, and no offense to Sir Edmund Hillary, you know, he was the guy he, he climbed Mount Everest. They said, "Why did you climb Mount Everest?" He said, "Because it was there." Yes. And that was like the hardest thing to do is climbing Mount Everest. Again, no offense to, to Sir Edmund Hillary. Oh, I'm going to offend but, him. But um, I don't think any of us says, well, we all know that just because he climbed Mount Everest that he, he must be in heaven because that's a really hard thing he did. Yeah. Like, but, but even more than that, yeah. using St. Edmund Hillary's own words, why do we carry the cross? Well, because it was there. Right? That, that, it's like, that's not right. No. Yeah. I mean, but at the end of the day. This is why the virtue 
and this discipline is so important. Right. And, 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 you know, we had talked about, you know, normally the gospel passages that we use for these are the, are the gospel passages uh, that are, are specific to the biblical scene of the mystery, right? And so, like, in this case, you typically would think it would be we would have one of the, the four passages from the Passion where yeah. our Lord is carrying the cross, the way of the cross. But in talking about it, we'd actually decided to use a different passage uh, for this. That mentions carrying the cross, and it's Jesus himself saying it. Yeah, so let's go to Mark chapter 8 and starting at verse 31, and let's just read this. Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and rise after three days. He spoke this openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. At this he turned around and said, looking at his disciples, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. He summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and that of the gospel will save it. So that, I, I love that passage. And one of the things I love about this passage is because it speaks right to the heart of us as humans mm. and how um, this mistaken idea of what we are called to do and to be, unfortunately, is sometimes weighed down or really even off track because it says right here, we're not thinking as God does, we're thinking as human beings do. That's true. Right? And so th- that leads us to a lot of confusion. Yeah. And, and, and again, that's tied back to this little thing that happened back in the Garden of Eden. Yes. Ever since then, we've had a little trouble discerning things that we're supposed to do and why and right. where those come from. And I think it's a powerful thing to choose this particular passage for the fourth sorrowful mystery, because as you make your way through the uh, the other portions of Christ's passion, he gets to Christ carrying the cross. It's like, okay, that's your cue, you know? Yes. <laughs> because Jesus, he said we're supposed to carry our cross, so it's not. He's showing us what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to take up. He, he's not just taking it up and then and then saying, "So long, guys. I'm going to do this, and no one else. So no one else has to." He's saying, "Take up your cross." And follow me. I mean, St. Paul that says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, right? Yes. And, and essentially is calling us into a life of carrying a cross. And, 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 and if we don't do that, then we can't be his disciple, which that's a pretty big... Yeah, he is clear. Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself. And so it's not a fluke that disciple and discipline, you know, are come from the same word. Right. And but it's not just discipline for the sake of discipline. Like, again, it's not like we're doing really hard things just because they're hard. Yes. Right. It's, yeah. Who are it's, it's ordered. <laughs> it's ordered towards virtue. And, and I don't know about you, Deacon Jeff, but I can tell you from my perspective. Virtue until recently, until I really took the time to study it and learn more about what the church has traditionally taught about virtue, I wasn't really catechized in virtue. I Virtue was kind of a buzzword. The call to holiness was sort of a buzzword. Right. You know, oh, go be a saint. Uh, okay. You know, or like, go pursue virtue. Uh, yeah. You know, well, and, and also, you know, it's very easy to stop and think like, if you were looking at some guy over there saying like, that's a virtuous man. Right. Right. So he's living at the epitome, at the top. And you see this word virtue is also 
something that might not be able to be obtained. And we see it as this extreme word, like yeah. like virtue is like this big thing that's up here, yeah. right? That we work up towards, like Mount Everest, like the peak. And in reality, virtue is it's it's different. And discerning virtue is a whole different thing. About about instead of extremes, it's actually not something that's at the extremes. Well, and and really, when we're in a state of grace, virtue is infused in us. Now, some virtues. Like faith, hope, and charity, those are not acquired virtues. Those are purely grace. You know, we, we pray for them. Uh, we make ourselves available to grow in faith, hope, and charity. That's one of the reasons it's a good idea to pray the acts of faith, hope, and charity, because that's the only way you can grow that's in right. faith, hope, and charity. But the other virtues are acquired virtues. Now, a lot of us know about the cardinal virtues, uh, temperance, fortitude, justice, and prudence. But but actually, I mean, through the 2,000-year history of the church, including with people like St. Thomas Aquinas, there, you know, there's at least 64 virtues. Yeah, that he have been identified, identified 64, and that's that's a lot of virtues. That is, and, a lot, and there's sub virtues of the cardinal virtues. But still, I mean, this is what, what it's telling us is, in every single, uh, and there could be more than 64, you know, that haven't been discovered yet. The way to think of it is, in every facet of human activity. There are there's a there's a right way of doing things. Yes, and 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 virtue. A lot of times, it's about finding the mean, right? Right. So so again, the finding the mean part. I want to I want to stress yeah. that because yeah. we're not talking about the extreme. Right. Because usually, well, give us an example of like extremes uh, when we're finding so, finding the mean. So so there's a uh, one of the virtues that uh, is from uh, our, the tradition of the church is studiosity, being yeah. studious, right? And so. You're not called to be a workaholic. That's not that's not uh, what it means to be studious. But on the other hand, that's the that's an excess of being studious. Uh, but a, then there's a defect right. of being studious, which is you're, you're stu- studying things a lot less than you should. You know what I mean? Or not really doing any. Right. And, so finding the mean is actually living the virtuous way. Yes. Yeah, so and, and how you find the virtue. It's right. It's virtue is lies in that mean between excess. And defect, right? And it's it's that Goldilocks zone, right? Yeah, the the baby bear, and, right? And, and and it's funny because like uh, uh, being excessive and and pursuing virtue can also be an excess because there could be perfectionism, yes. <laughs> right? You know, you could be perfectionist, you could be, a, a, and there's vanity in perfectionism. Or but then on the opposite extreme, a failure to care about virtue, there's smallness of soul, there's sloth, there's softness. So you know the mean there. Is called magnanimity, right? And that means that you're striving for excellence in, in virtue. Or another, one, and that's a subvirtue of fortitude. Another is honestia, which is a subvirtue of temperance, and that is that is always looking for what the virtuous path is. Uh, but the most important virtue, I would say, in terms of finding the mean, if you're going to just pick one virtue that's about you know living virtuously, yeah. it would be prudence, yeah. right? Uh, because that's knowing the right course. But, but it can't just be prudence. And here's why. Prudence is an intellectual virtue, and, it, and it's key. It's, it's the we'll, – we'll talk about that a little bit. It's a key to finding that mean and, and knowing what the right action is. But this is where the carrying the cross part comes in hard. You know, just because you find that mean and you know what you're supposed to be doing, you still have to be able to command your will. And if your right. will is all over the place, following its appetites – you know, then it's not going to work out. You know, it doesn't help anybody for you, for you to know what the right thing that you should be doing, but then have be completely ill-equipped interiorly to actually do it. And that's where taking up our cross and dying to self, meet, you know, God wants to meet us where we are to help us die to self where we are and grow little by little towards virtue in all these various areas based on where we are. Yeah, and I think, I think, 
again, you mentioned for yourself that you kind of struggled at uh, maybe in uh, earlier life in terms of like how to live a virtuous life and oh, what yeah. that actually meant and how virtue can become a buzzword. And I love how you describe like well, one of the ones to use an example like prudence. Um, if you see a need, uh, you know, you can either do absolutely nothing, and obviously that's not good. Right. Or you can go like total full tilt, uh, you know, rage and anger and march into battle in what you're doing. And you can do everything with room for no one else and no, nothing yeah. else. Or there's, there's, a, there's a happy and beautiful, virtuous balance right. in, in the middle where it's that sweet spot. Yes. Right? Where, again, we, we have phrases in our Catholic faith we hear all the time, like all things in moderation. Right. So you start to realize, and again, that this is, this, some of this comes from a philosophical background from like Aristotle. So it's mm-hmm. Aristotelian, and you start to realize there's some great wisdom here. And to live a virtuous life is something that's... Uh, it, it can be a little calculated, but what I love about this concept is that it's not about having a, the label of virtue. Yeah, it's really about creating an environment for yourself where you you just are in this virtue. Yeah, it's ingrained in who you are. It's your character. Well, Saint Thomas Aquinas he said that uh, the end of the moral life is virtue, and you would think. Why wouldn't it be moral action? Doing good things. Doing good things, right. right. Yeah, exactly. And, and and what he says is that there's a beauty when a person is virtuous and they're t- doing hard things, but they make it look easy. Like St. Therese of Lisieux, you know, she with the little way, she stepped into the difficulties right. of everyday life and she made love. There was a beauty in how she made love look easy and accessible. There's a draw to right. each of us in that, right? Well, see, I think of like like, like ballet dancers and yeah. things like that. I have no inkling of what how much work and effort go into doing that, but they make it look effortless. And there's a beauty in that. So and, this is moral yes, beauty, basically. Yes. You know. Yeah. So let's but let's let's so let's tie this to carrying the cross. Okay. Well, so first first step is that uh, I think first rule of thumb. The, this mean that we're talking about, it's it's relative to the individual. So there's no there's no cookie cutter answers. So each of us is going to have to begin with where we are. Each of us, I hope, has some understanding of growth areas, some right. of vices that we need to work through, right? Um, places where we're stuck. Uh, now, we shouldn't just stop there, right? Because, you know, studying is important. Right. So like we said, there's 64 virtues that are out there. So so in addition to being honest with ourselves, like we would before a confession, also looking into other areas where we might not even be paying attention. Right. Seeking all of this falls into the category of seeking counsel, which is the first step of prudence. And, and that also involves seeking counsel from other people like your pastor or getting a spiritual director or seeking counsel from your confessor or if it's stuff related to your bodily health going to a doctor you know yeah. um, so the first the first step of, of of prudence is counsel the second step of prudence is judgment right and so like a way to think about it is we have to move from first there has to be a knowledge of the principles involved um, and so i could give you an example if you know that you're not eating well um, and you don't know where to start. Well, a good place to start is go to the doctor and let him put you on a diet. Yeah. So you know what's good for the health of your body. Right. Or right? you go to the Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah. For you kids, that's Google. Yeah. Right. And and find out good eating habits. Right. 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 So basic basic principle finding out you know getting getting a hold of basic principles or like if your spending is out of control and you're always in debt and you don't you're never able to manage your money. 
you know, having a principle saying like, I'm going to order my understanding of what I actually need. I'm going to prioritize those needs. And then I'm going to look at these are things that I want, but I don't need. And these are things that I want, but I really need to stop buying. Right. Like these are examples. But so first there's sort of basic principles to abide by. And then look at your own circumstances and, and then uh, figure out which principle applies to me and how. And so that's how you're moving from counsel to judgment. Right. But then there's another step, which is command, right? So prudence, like we were saying before, just because you know the right thing, just because you're able to find the mean in all these various areas, but you're not actually able to command your will to follow that mean, therein lies the cross. Therein lies taking the cross, having the courage, first of all, to take up the cross, having the courage to look honestly at yourself and your growth areas and the ways that you need to grow and ways to challenge yourself, but then actually being willing to die to self and, and, and you're not going to be perfect overnight, but perfection has to be a process before it can be our state. Taking up the cross with that willingness to say, I'm going to choose to try to make improvement and, and, and at least this area or these areas uh, because I can see that I am in an excess or in a defect. Right. Because I, I think in all of this, I, that, that part makes so much sense to me. The fact that we have to go through this, this process of discernment. That that essentially that's how we're going to find the mean. That's how we're going to like find the right and the virtuous path. Because again, when you look at something like carrying the cross, so many of us just think it's it's really just about suffering, right? Right. And we've we've said before when we talk about suffering, we've done shows on redemptive suffering. We've we've mentioned it on many many shows. And the reality is, suffering without like a, a meaning and a purpose is really just suffering. Right, right. It's just painful, and so this 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 discernment and this the uh, counsel leading to judgment and then leading to command is a way in which that you can um, not you but the Lord can accomplish things in you through that suffering. So that suffering then is meaningful and purposeful. Yeah, and that's totally different than just like well I've been suffering a lot, right. so that must be good. Yeah. Right, and so I'm doing this uh, fourth sorrowful mystery. So hey, I got that going for me. Right, right. <laughs> you know? well, it, well, it, well, it, what it does is if you're volunteer, it's kind of the Franciscans. Their charism is voluntary poverty. If you're voluntarily choosing, you know, we typically we just think of fasting in terms of food. But if you're thinking of I'm going to deprive myself in this way or that yeah. way, uh, or I'm going to force myself to to take, you know, I'm not really praying at all at all. So I'm going to at least start with 15 minutes a day or, right. or whatever it might be. Um, you know, again. Finding that mean, it does begin with, you know, seeking counsel and don't try and figure it out all yourself. Get help. Talk to your pastor. Do some studying. Do some, but it has to begin with self-honesty and, 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 and for where you are. And, and sometimes, you know, if you know that you're eating sweets like all the time, for example, or you're smoking cigars all the time, or you're drinking all the time, or watching TV all the time, and you're like, I don't know what moderation is. I don't know what the mean is. Well, sometimes the thing to do is erase it. Take uh, it out. Yeah, exactly. Go the opposite extreme for a while. And and not because TV is bad or cigars are bad or alcohol is bad or sweets are bad. But because if we if we if we don't even have a concept of what the mean is, that's just a sign that it's better to deprive our wills of it for a while. So you're saying it's better to do that than to pile it on. (laughs) Right. right, And do nothing but. Uh, eat sweets and and smoke cigars because and then kind of, no you're right I li- I think your way is better right. well it's not my way I didn't come up with it but yes yes absolutely <laughs> but 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 at the end of the day you know this is so in taking Christ says 
take up your cross and follow me or you can't be my disciple. So this is what we're saying is when, when we get to this fourth sorrowful mystery, let that be our cue to take up our cross and follow him. Yes. And, 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 and find concrete areas where we need to die to self in order to grow and in order to grow specifically in virtue so that we can live a morally beautiful life by and through his grace. Yeah. And I will tell you this. I think I would add to that. And what you do, what I, I, I'll, I'm not going to add to Jesus's words in a way that I'm changing the meaning of them. But I think that I want to further emphasize what Jesus is saying, because I want to reiterate that he says, take up, uh, take up your cross and follow him. So it's like you take up the cross, you take up the burden, you take up the suffering, you take up the the task, right? Moving towards something. Um, And then you have to, you have to take steps. You have to move. You have to, you're, you're essentially carrying the cross because Jesus carried the cross right up Golgotha, up the hill. Right. And that's different than like, okay, hold on to that cross for a while. Is that hard? Yeah, it's really hard. Okay. All right. You're done. You did it. Right. It's, it's like it's like dead weights, you know. It's right, lifting, right. you know. There, there's something you're like. Imagine doing the dead weights, but then like having to walk out right. the door of the gym with those weights, right? Right. Carry that, right? Well, now you're in a whole different realm, and and that's what we're trying to work up to. We have to kind of start small, yeah, and we have to discern where is it that we're going with this cross, and what what is our goal in all of this, uh, and then and 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 to learn not to live in excess. Or in absence, right? But but to live in presence, in, in some in, in that middle way, in finding the mean, and and so the suffering. So you can have uh, no suffering. We can yeah. talk about suffering, but not suffer, right? Um, or we can suffer constantly and wail and moan and purposely do all these things and let everyone know. But what does Jesus tell us about like fasting and whatever? You know, comb your hair. Don't look like you're suffering, right? So there's part of there's a, there's like a there's a mean right there. He's showing us how how to properly uh, fast. And and two last quick things. One, Jesus fell three times according to sacred yeah. tradition. So if you if you try this and you and you stumble and you fall, it's okay. Yeah. What matters is are you going to get up and you're going to keep trying and are you going to rely upon him? And then the other thing is if you don't know where to begin, remember this is for praying a rosary. Ask our lady to tell you what's the defect I need to work on right now. Amen. So uh, I'll tell you what we need to do is we need to stop thinking as human beings do. We need to start thinking like God does and we need to just look at that cross, contemplate, pick it up and start to walk. And we can do that with the power of Jesus and to live a virtuous life. Let's ask our blessed mother to help us in this. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.